Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mysteries the sequel by Jeffrey Deaver, read by Perry F. Bruns. Back in the city at his desk, Frederick Lowell flipped open the Malone biography. The author had insisted he take one with him, suitably inscribed. He read the chapters describing Goodwin's connection to Pittsburgh. Goodwin had been a crime reporter for the Chicago Tribune, but took time off in 1965 to write an account of a horrific murder in Pennsylvania. John Everett Coe came from an affluent and well-educated family in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. His father a physician, his mother a principal of an exclusive private school. A troublesome child from a very young age, Coe excelled academically through his first year in college, then began suffering increasingly severe breaks with reality, threatening neighbors, his parents, and his younger siblings, acting incoherently. Finally, he snapped all together and in 1962, was arrested and convicted for murdering his mother. At trial, it was revealed that Mary Coe, embarrassed about her son's condition, 
relentlessly pushed him to become normal, pressuring him into treatments and to return to school. The woman was known to be strident and demanding of all her children, but didn't seem to realize that John could not be handled with conventional discipline until it was too late. By the time that Edward Goodwin became aware of the case, Coe was on death row at Statesville Prison outside of Pittsburgh. Goodwin was curious to know how such a troubled individual could be found sane and executed. The answer seemed to be, as the prosecutor pointed out, that when he was not in a delusional or fugal phase, Coe was remarkably thoughtful, articulate, and insightful. He wrote his own appeals, which judges praised for their clear reasoning. He sketched and painted excellent landscapes and portraits, and he wrote reams of poetry, some of which was published and critically well-received. Goodwin felt it was patently unfair that a man who committed a crime in the midst of a psychotic episode received the death penalty, and he wanted to use this injustice as the theme of his book. It seemed that in 1966 and 67, Goodwin was splitting his time between Chicago and Pittsburgh, interviewing Coe. This was an astonishingly productive time. He not only spent hundreds of hours researching the non-fiction, but he wrote Cedar Hills, and apparently much of the novel's sequel then, too. Though he complained from time to time in his letters to his editor about writer's block, he also commented occasionally that thanks to his muse, he'd made good progress in his writing. This was all very interesting, but Lowell had learned nothing that moved him closer to his goal of finding Anderson's hope. John Coe was, of course, long gone, executed in September of 67. But Coe's last surviving family member, his younger brother, was alive. Samuel Coe, a physician like his father, was still living in Bucks County. He was a psychiatrist, and Lowell wondered if he'd gone into the profession because of his brother's condition. Lowell called Samuel Coe and explained his mission regarding the sequel, then delicately inquired as to whether the man would mind a few questions about the time leading up to his brother's execution. No, not really. I don't talk to reporters, but if you have a connection with Edward Goodwin, I'm happy to help. Did you ever meet him? Goodwin? No, I'm afraid not, the psychiatrist said. My sister and I were young then, just teenagers, and our father wouldn't let us speak to reporters. I know Dad talked to Goodwin a few times, but I have no idea about what. Nor had the doctor heard any talk about sequels to Cedar Hills Road. Lowell then asked if the idyllic countryside in the letter might be Bucks County, where the murder had occurred. But again, Dr. Coe couldn't provide insights other than to confirm that if any place was idyllic, it was that portion of Pennsylvania. Not surprisingly, the doctor could not provide insights either into any house of God where Goodwin had spent time. Lowell then asked, any chance you have any correspondence between John and Goodwin? No, we tried to get back my brother's effects and the contents of his cell after they executed him, but the prison said it had all been disposed of. Frankly, I didn't want it anyway. I was very conflicted about John, as you can imagine. Did he ever talk to you about Goodwin? Yes, a little, when he wasn't delusional. Nothing about Cedar Hills, though. Mostly he told me about how Goodwin was a friend. He treated my brother like a decent person. They'd talk for hours and hours. He taught John how to type so he could write his own appeals for court. He got permission from the prison to lend my brother his typewriter. The man paused. I still remember the night of the execution. 
I was the last person John called. Goodwin had passed away by then, and John said that when the book about the murder and trial was published and they made a movie, I was supposed to make sure the director did right by Goodwin. Samuel Coe gave a sad laugh. Of course, most death row movies are about lawyers or journalists saving innocent prisoners at the last minute. I couldn't very well tell John that Hollywood probably wouldn't be interested in a story where the prisoner dismembered his mother's body and wrote poetry in her blood on the wall while waiting for the police to show up. The call to Samuel Coe hadn't been productive, but it did give Frederick Lowell another idea. Thank you, detectives, for listening to tonight's Calm Mystery by the Murder Mystery Company. I'm Perry F. Bruns. Would you like to show somebody you care? Is there a mystery fan in your life? Couldn't they use a quiet moment and a great story? I'm doing personal stories of 20 minutes or less. Something personal like this can make a friend or family member feel truly loved in an otherwise dark time. They're only $49, and you can email me at calmmystery, that's C-A-L-M mystery, at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for more tales to tingle and terrify while giving you a needed break from the outside world. <laughs>